You know, last Sunday, Pastor Ray shared a very powerful message on the, on, uh, on the start of our team discipleship. It's a very powerful message. Uh, he calls us to wait the importance of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That we should not take it lightly what it meant to be a disciple. Pastor Dan sa- summarized his sermon with this quote. He said, Jesus called his people to live out the truth that he is worth believing, following, and sharing. And it's more important that, that our, the truth that we know, we should believe out. And how we understand him should be lived out in our discipleship life. You know, when we were planning for this team discipleship, there are so many angles on how we should, we were planning, said, paano namin sisimulan on this topic of discipleship? There are so many angles, there are so many verses in the scripture on how we can tackle it, how we can begin. But you know, when we were pondering and praying, we were being reminded the best way to start our discipleship is to focus on Jesus, is to go back to the Lord, to focus on our Savior. When we're planning on this, how should we start? And we've been reminded, return. Because our discipleship started with Him. Our discipleship is sustained by Him through the Spirit. Our discipleship journey is about becoming more like Him by imitating Him. So when we were planning, I said we should go and start with the book of Mark and know who is our Savior. Because when we know our Savior, then we will grow in our discipleship. You know, discipleship is a relationship journey with our Savior. The more we know Him, the more we understand His way and understand His character, the more we grow in our dependence on Him, the more we grow in our faith, the more we will follow Him and obey Him. You know, I found this quote, a nice quote. It says here, A person's willingness to surrender himself to Jesus depends on how he knows Him. A person's willingness to against, surrender himself to Jesus depends on how he knows him. Now, if you understand Jesus, if you think Jesus is Santa Claus, how would you pray? If, G, if you're understanding that Jesus is Santa Claus, how would you pray? Lord, I've been a good boy. Give me this, give me that, give me this. If you understand Jesus, that He's just someone who's rescued us from a problem, then your prayer will be, Lord, save me, save me, save me. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you understand Jesus is the one who calls you to go and surrender your life and carry the cross and follow His path, then your prayer will be different. Your prayers and desires, Lord, May I be more like you. Give me the strength to walk and the strength to obey your commands. I believe the more you know who he is, the more you surrender and follow his way. Today we'll be looking in the second chapter of the book of Mark. And we will focus on how he described himself in the public. 
especially when the scribes and the Pharisees was there. You know, interestingly, instead of him, Jesus coming to the scene and ministering, he did not say, I'm the Messiah. He did not say, God, I'm the God, Son of God. I'm the Holy One. You know what he said? He said this, the Son of Man. You know, I've entitled this sermon, Following the Son of Man. And we'll be reading portion in the chapter 2 of Book of Mark. And we will discuss why Christ came in the human form and how is it important to us in our discipleship journey. I invite all of us to stand as we read uh, Mark chapter 2, 9, 11, and then 13 to 17. Let us read verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But, they, that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Apelius, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of physicians, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this afternoon that once again that we are gathered. I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word, that you will reveal more of yourself in our lives. As you reveal yourself more, Lord, that we respond in following you, following the master's way. I pray, O oh God, in our desire, as we have this team, discipleship, that we will not take it lightly, but we will be serious about it. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we look into your word, you are our teacher, that your word will be illuminated in our heart and may it be understood clearly and simply. And empower us, Lord, to respond and obey your commands. So we surrender this afternoon to you. Speak to us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, when Jesus referred to himself as son of man, there are many emphasis, if you look into the gospel, in the, in the gospel there are many emphasis that's been stated. But oftentimes when, this two, uh, when he said son of man, the major idea that's being highlighted is this. One is that he is divine, and second, that he is human. Okay. That he is divine and that he is human. Now he is speaking, when he said son of man, he is stating his divinity. That he is God. Now look at the text when you read in Mark, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 2. The, when he healed the lame man, what did they respond? Who is this who forgives sin? Because Jesus said, your sin is forgiven. But the Pharisees said, who is this man who forgives sin? And his response is what? The Son of Man, 
Then he said, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. Now, Jesus is very smart on how he referred to himself. He did not suddenly portray, I am the Messiah. He did not because he knew the people respond differently. There's this time, there's this season that he will reveal himself as the Son of God, as a Messiah. But at this time, when he's confronting the Pharisees, he knows what to say. He said, I am the Son of Man. He, but in that statement, he was saying that in the, this Son of Man, this Son of Man, me, he said, I have the power to forgive sin. He speaks of his divinity that he is God. The same time, when we talk about Son of Man, it speaks of his humanity. That he eats, he drinks, he becomes hungry, he grieves. We, we know that, we, we can see that. He becomes indignant, he gets tired. He has a human physical body and all things that a normal human would experience. And as a church, it's always important for us to understand and believe that the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ and that He is an incarnated, that the God, the Son, when He assumed a human nature, He became man. That when Jesus was in his, the flesh, He is both fully God and fully men. Very important yun, as, as people of, of his, of his followers, that we recognize Jesus as fully God and fully men. Hindi half God, half man. Mali yung katuruan, okay? So say fully God. May natutulog. Fully God. Fully men. It's not half. There's some teaching. If you would Google, very take note, I would say, if you would Google and then start for a question, don't just anyhow accept what you read. Check with us if you have question or else you will absorb certain teaching that's not biblical. So it's important. Now here, who is Jesus? He is fully God and fully man. And according to Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, the reason why Jesus became man is here. A few of them, he says here, he came to be the, the substitute sacrifice. That instead of us, it's him who will hang on the cross and pay the price. Jesus became man so that he can be the mediator between God and man. He represents God and he represents man. And also represents the perfect obedience to God. It's him who never, never knew sin. He never sinned. Adam said, he said, Adam is disobedient, but Jesus obeyed. And here, Jesus became man to be a, a pattern of our redeemed bodies. What is it to be, have a glorified body when he rose up again? And again, Jesus became a man to sympathize as high priest, that he knows what we are going through. He experienced pain. He experienced being ridiculed when he was here on earth. Jesus became man also to set an example and pattern for us to live. In 1 John 2, 6, it says here, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So when Jesus came and became man, he set an example for us to follow. Now, as we look at the text, we see that Jesus, the Son of Man, rebuilt himself and set an example for us to follow and live. And as we look here in the following verses, we see that Jesus 
the Son of Man reaches to us, that Jesus, the Son of Man, unites us as God's people, that Jesus, the Son of Man, also confronts us. Let us look at the following verses in verse 13 and 14 and see how Jesus entered into the person's life and buhay ni Levi in Matthew. Let's look in verse 13. It says here, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Verse 14, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Aphelius, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, if you read chapter 1 of Mark and chapter 2 all the way, you'll notice that Jesus was so busy. He's busy. You see him in Carpenham ministering. Then suddenly you see him by the sea ministering and healing. Then he will see him in synagogue ministering. Then he see him in the house of mother-in-law Peter healing. He's all around. He's doing so much things. Teaching, healing, ministering to people. But in this event, you notice how Jesus responds. When he was traveling by the sea, he noticed Levi. He noticed him sitting at where? At the tax booth. Now, with this information, you're able to gather who this Levi is. Now, this Levi is Matthew. Kilala niyo si Matthew, the book of Matthew. Now, he has two names. He's Levi and then Matthew. Some scholars said he changed his name. But he, he, here, he's Matthew. So you have his two names. Parang katulad ng Marites. Anong short name ni Marites? Tess. So sometimes we have nicknames. So this Matthew, Levi, and he's also... So when I say Levi or Matthew, is the same person, okay? So here is he. Levi was seen by Jesus. And the information we can gather here that he's a Jew. And also, he's a tax collector. So, he's a Jew and a tax collector. So, if you combine it, he is a Jewish tax collector. Easy lang, ha? And he was employed by the Roman government to tax his people. Imagine you're a Jew and you're going to your people at magtatax ka sila. Oh, yung bayad mo, where's your payment? Being a Jew and the same time a tax collector, you know how the people treat him? They look at him as a traitor. They look at him what? as an outcast of a society. You know, Jewish people is so, um, so loyal sa kanilang identity, loyal to their nation. And now you see a brother, Levi, who is working against the pagan nation, and now he also taxing you. Kaya galit na galit siya. He was even considered unclean. Why? Because of his dishonesty. Some said that they would cheat. Tax collector would cheat. Some said that they will also nagtatap up. Sabi ng Roman Empire, oh, $50 lang ang tax. Gagawin nila what they would do? They will add $20. So sabihin, oh, $70 ang tax. Ibabalik yung $50 sa Romans, yung $20 pupunta saan? And they hated them. And that's what's happening to Matthew. He was considered a traitor and outcast. Levi 
or Matthew is famous in all the wrong reason. I think if you have a Facebook account, walang magfe-friends sa kanya. Maraming basher. If you have a Facebook account, yet with all this background and misconduct and social status, you know what? Jesus saw him and noticed him. Jesus called him and invited him to be his disciple. When Jesus said, follow me, it says that, come, I will train you. Follow me. I will accept you. You you will follow. You will imitate me. You know, Levi's response was an act of repentance. We read there. And he, he he rose and followed him. He was willing to let go of the things that he had in the past. Even the riches that he attained just to follow his new master. It was a 180 degree change of his life. You know why? I believe Levi have heard who Jesus is. Surely he have experienced his power when he was teaching in the synagogue, when he's healing the sick. He have seen and heard who is Jesus. Surely he have seen his miraculous work and heard his teaching. And now suddenly this Jesus came to him and said, he noticed you and said, come, follow me. And you will be my disciple. You know, it's a privilege. And to Matthew, to Levi, it's a second chance to have a new life. He was once an enemy, a traitor, but now he's being considered as one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm wondering why Jesus would choose him. You know what? Jesus chose him because there's nothing, nothing that he can prove his worthiness. Matthew is not religious. He was even considered outcast, unclean by the religious leaders. I was pondering on this. Jesus should have picked someone better. Why would he pick a tax collector? One who is a traitor, one who, who cheats, one who is unclean, considered by the society. I realized this. In the world standard, he will never be chosen. But in Jesus' eyes, is the right person to be his disciple. And what we can learn from this, the first point is this, Jesus, the Son of Man, reaches out to us. Jesus, out of his mercy, he has chosen Levi. Similarly, he has chosen each one of us not because we are good, not because we are perfect, not because we are so religious and have done great things before the Lord. He has chosen us because of His mercy and His love for you and for me. Kaya sabi mo sa katabi mo, you're not perfect. And none of us can boast None of us can say that we are better than the person beside you. I can never say that Pastor Ray is better than me. He is better than me. Mas pogi siya. 
But both of us understand that it's the grace of God that God has chosen each one of us, not because my parents is a Christian, not because I've done so much good things, but because of His mercy and His grace. He had chosen. And one thing I noticed here, He called out, He noticed Him, He reached out, come follow me. He expressed His grace, His mercy by reaching out to this unworthy fellow. You know how Jesus reached out to us? He humbled himself. In Philippians chapter 2, he says here, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Second Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty may, might become rich. These riches is not just financial riches. These riches that spiritual life, that you are free from your sin and bondage, that thou, now you have a new life. Because of Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I learned as a ponder on this is this. Our discipleship journey starts with Jesus reaching out to us despite of our imperfection and frailty. God initiates that we may know Him and we respond in a posture of gratitude, joy, and humility. There's a quote that I want all of us to say. And now hopefully you can repeat after me. Okay? Repeat after me. Those also joining online. Say this. I'm a disciple. Not because I'm good. But because a God is so merciful. That he have chosen a sinner like me. He chosen a sinner like me. He made a way so that we may experience a new life. He reached out and called us by name and said, Anak, follow me. First, Jesus, the Son of Man, reaches out to us. Second, Jesus, the Son of Man, unite us. Now, let us look at our context here and how what's happening in this in the house of Matthew. Now, first question I have, if you will have a party in your home, who will you invite? Will you invite your enemy? Maybe. Or will you invite your best friend? You will invite your best friend. Now, because of COVID, you can only invite five. And then your care group is Ten. Oh no, seven, seven. Who will you invite? Ang hirap. So here, notice in this party, I would like to look at us while they're eating. Who are these people with Jesus? In verse 15, it says here, and he, re and he reclined at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and seniors were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. 16, and described 
of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now look, who are the characters in that picture, in this party that's being held in Matthew's house? We see that there are tax collectors and sinners. Now, sinners there, the statement there is, um, is a statement that the Pharisees had made concerning a group of people who don't follow, who, who, who purposely disobey the moral law. So they were considered sinners here. So we have tax collector, which is Matthew's friend and the sinners, and then we have Jesus and his disciples. And what they were doing? They were eating, reclining. I don't know how they recline while they're eating. Next time, I'll find the picture. Nakahibaba, nakachil, nakataasampaa. So they were eating. They were just enjoying the meal. Now, in Asian time, when you're eating with someone, sharing a meal with someone is a very significant thing. It means that you are intimate with that person. It means that you are accepting that person. It means that you are establishing a deeper bond with that person when you partook that meal. Kaya pag inambayt ko si Brother Jas, kumain kami, ibig sabihin, BFF kami. Yeah, BFF. Tapos popost ko sa Facebook yan, we're eating together. Wow, BFF sila. So here, the picture here, if you have Facebook account, what they will upload, Jesus, the disciples, the tax collectors, and the, and, and the sinners taking pictures, selfie, eating together. Nakita ng parasi ngayon sa Facebook. Jesus, why are you eating with them? These are sinners. They don't deserve to be with you. They are unclean. Ayun ang response. But yet Jesus never affirmed with their sin, but yet being with them. Jesus still accepted the fishermen, still accepted the tax collector and sinners. Now, it's easy for us to see this picture from Jesus accepting them. But a question I, I would like us to look into, how about the rest of those eating with them? Ano ang reaction nila sa isa't isa? How would they respond? Especially they're eating together because I believe they don't eat together. It's an awkward mix. Why is that? I'll show you. There are two groups of people. One is Matthew Levi, the tax collector and sinners. And then the other group, the disciple, which we read in Mark chapter 1, the Simon Peter. He's a fisherman. Some says he's a businessman. He is having, he, he, he has his own um, fleet to do to fishing. And then Andrew. Andrew is a religious person. You look at his background. He was once a follower of John the Baptist. And then James and John. Now, you would put this together. I mentioned, if you eat, means I am okay with you. Now, they're eating together. What will be their topic be? Maybe Matthew would say this. Ilang isda. Matthew speaking to Peter. Just imagine, huh? Just imagine Matthew speaking to Peter. Matthew is the tax collector. He's a tax collector. He goes around and I, I was reading about it. They even tax fishes. Sabi ko, grabe. Anong GST yan? 
Just imagine the conversation they were having. Now Matthew is sitting there. He's talking to Levi. Look at Levi. Uh, uh, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew and Simon Peter. They're looking at each other. Maybe Matthew would start a conversation and say, uh, How many fish you caught? In Tagalog, ilan nahuli mo? Ilan nahuli mo ista? We know Simon Peter. Simon Peter is not a gentle person. He's an alpha male. He likes to respond right away. Where do you think he respond? Ano ka? Why, why do you want to know how much I caught? You want to tax me again? You see, you see here the dynamics in the group now? Now the tax collector. Imagine uh, the sinner there speaking to Andrew. Now Andrew is religious. He wants to keep himself pure. Because Andrew is sitting far away and the ketchup is far, far away. And he said, can you pass the ketchup? And the sinner took the ketchup, pick it up, and then pass it to Andrew. And what do you think Andrew would say? Oh, sorry, you're unclean. I will not touch that ketchup. You see what will happen? This group is a mess. They have different backgrounds. Status, temperament, and values. Probably they have hated each other because Matthew taxed them. Andrew, being a religious person, will not hang out with these sinners. But what made them different? In my text, they never responded that way. In the text that we read, they were reclining and eating together. What made it different? You know why? Because Jesus is at the center of their feast. Jesus is there. All of them are drawn to Jesus. All of them desire to have fellowship with Jesus. All of them want to hear Him speak. All of them want, are in, desire to encounter Him. Despite of their differences, even their friction in the past, or even the wall that they have built that kept them apart, when Jesus is at the center, He will break that wall. He will break that wall that has separated them. For when Christ is the center, they are being unified as one. This is what Galatians chapter 3, verse 25, 27 says, For as many of you who are baptized into Christ had put on Christ, there is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave or free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Few things we can learn from here. Jesus, the Son of Man, accepted them. Now, in return, we are called to accept one another despite of our frailty. You know, one evidence that we are truly growing in our discipleship is when we see others in the eyes of Christ, Jesus. That we will not look at status, that we will not look at culture, that we will not look at the background or preference, not even their past. But we will look to people differently. We will not be biased and we will not be judgmental. We will not affirm the scene, 
but we will look at them with loving eyes because we have, accept, we have experienced the acceptance of the Lord in our life. You know, there's a story that one of our sisters shared to me when she was attending Bible school. She said they have a group project about care group. And that group project, one of his group mates who was in the Bible school said to her, you know, when that guy was sharing a testimony, he said, when I was still new as a believer, I attended the care group drunk. Dumating sa care group, lasing. Pag may lasing dumating sa care group nyo, anong gagawin nyo? If someone in your care group came drunk, how would you respond? Mentos. You know what he said? The care group never judged him, but can still ministering to him. They, they, they spoke to him. That's what they said. They never gave up on him. And now he's in Bible school. When we have a different perspective, when we see each other, that we are equal before the Lord, that we are a child of God, that we are all fallen short and we have seen yet Jesus accepted us, how much more the Lord calls us to accept one another. This type of our failure, we will be able to forgive, we will be able to reconcile. We will not affirm the sin, we will not say go sinning, no. We will help the sister grow in righteousness. Sige, aatin ako sa care group niyo. There are times that we will have conflict in church. Care group, ministering, so on. But you know, when Christ is the center, it teaches us how to forgive. It teaches us to seek reconciliation and not build walls. Jesus Unify us. Just turn to a person beside you and tell that person, I'm glad that you are here with me. <laughs> Lastly, Jesus confronts. You know, the whole chapter of Mark chapter 2, you see how many times Jesus confront, being confronted by the teachers of the law. You know, Jesus was not looking of a confrontation. But the teachers of the law were following him, finding loopholes, finding ways to shoot him, finding ways to make him bad. In, in here, I just want to show you a few in the whole chapter of that. The healing of the lame, he said, why are you healing? Why are you forgiving sin? And then eating, the tax, and eating with the tax collector, why are you eating with the tax collector? Then the question about fasting, why are your disciples not fasting? Then Sabbath, why are you not observing Sabbath? They have so many statements to, to address to Jesus. Now, we, I want to make this clear. Jesus was never rebel, rebelling against them. Jesus was never rejecting the law. Jesus affirmed the law. You just understand how he responded to them. Look, when he said about healing of the, of the lame, how did he respond? He did not say 
that he, he shouldn't heal, he continued to heal. When he was speaking to the, the tax collectors, about the, about the tax collectors and the sinners, he did not say that all of the people that he's hanging with was sinless. He recognized still the righteousness in this, and there is righteousness in who is seen, who sinners. He never rejected what's being taught in the law, but he's teaching them because their interpretation, how they live and apply the law is totally different. Now he's speaking about fasting. They question why your disciples are not fasting. Jesus said, Jesus did not say you do not fast. And the same thing is the Sabbath. He affirmed it. But the problem is that these scribes were caught up by themselves. You know what interesting I know, even though this argument, yet they are un- they, even this argument they have with Jesus, they failed to see who he was. What struck me the most, these people are well learned, yet they fail to discern to see Jesus as the Messiah. You know, I believe they have seen Jesus did great things. He have all the, they have all the evidences, healing the blind and the lame, casting out demons, raising the dead, yet they still fail to recognize him as the Son of Man. The Son of God, the King of Kings, is in front of them. You know, they are so blinded. They are so blinded of themselves. The scribes, the Pharisees, think they are perfect. They never see themselves as sick. They never see themselves as sinner who needs a Savior. And Jesus confronted them and exposed their pride, exposed their unbelief expose the self-righteousness. And when Jesus' ministry is growing, you know what happened? All the more they become jealous and envious. Nagagalit sila. Ang response nila ganito, patayin natin yung taong yan. Because of the jealousy they have. They were so afraid to lose control. They're so afraid to lose of their influence. And that they are ready to kill the Messiah. And it really exposed who is reigning in their hearts. They want to reign their own lives. You know, when Jesus came, two ministries were affected. One is the scribes and one John the Baptist. Some people here were following Jesus. And some people here, John the Baptist, yung ministry niya, yung mga tao, started to follow Jesus. The response of the scribes hit him. But the response of John the Baptist is what? This is what he said. Less of me and more of him. No, you know, I was studying the life of this Pharisee. If you study their history, they started right. They have the right intention. They have a right desire. They want to preserve the truth. They want to keep the truth. And they want to teach that so that the people of God will follow the truth. But as time passes by, they become proud, self-righteous. And the heart became proud. And this should be a warning to all of us. 
that they can become proud. Pwede tayo maging mayabang. Kaya tingin mo katabi mo, mayabang ba yan? Hindi. We can become proud. And this is what Jesus warned them in Mark 8. He says, be cautious, watch out, beware, beware. Beware of the living of the Pharisee. Beware. You see, as we grow in discipleship, as we take this discipleship seriously, there will be moments in our time that God will confront errors in our life that we have to surrender. God will reveal errors in our life that we have to break and, and repent of. But the question is this, how will we respond? Will we respond like the scribes with pride, with self-righteousness, with a heart which, which is hard, or will respond like John the Baptist and said, Lord, less of me, but more of you. How will we respond? I want to ask all to take discipleship seriously. It's a call for all of us. And when God confronts us of any, any sin, and when God confronts us of any bitterness, of hatred, or any areas that God calls us to surrender, may we humble ourselves and submit to Him and not rebel like the teachers of the law. Do not harden your heart. Let me summarize all this. Jesus, the Son of Man, reaches out to us. Jesus, Son of Man, unite us as one. And Jesus, the Son of Man, will confront us and expose and reveal errors in our life that we need to surrender. You know, as I conclude, Jesus became man so that he may reveal God to us. And we know that, so that we may know him. And I mentioned earlier on, that discipleship is a relationship journey with our Savior. And I was reading the life of Paul. And as I pondered in the life of Paul, he did many things. He went around, he, he was persecuted for the gospel. But what made him so different, what made him tick and go on, is because of his passion to know Jesus, to know more of him. That's why in Philippians chapter 3 says, that I may know, that, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that I may know him. The Lord reaches us so that we may know him, and may we respond in desiring to know him more and more. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching out to us, even though we don't deserve it. I pray that it will humble us. I pray, Lord, that we'll see it, Lord, as opportunity to grow deeper in our walk with you. 
Lord, all of us here, there's nothing that we can boast. But we are have fallen short. We are all sinners. Yet, Lord, out of your mercy and love, you have called us by name. You call us your own. Salamat, Panginoon. I pray, Lord, that you would unite us like how you have brought different people like Matthew, Peter, the disciple, despite of their differences and even their background or even their past history. Yet, Lord, in you, they are one. And that's our prayer in this place. You have brought us from different places, from different locations in the Philippines, different backgrounds, different work. Yet, Lord, I pray that you put in our heart that in you, we are one. And I pray, Lord, if anyone of us here have been confronted by you, we have been Christians. Some of us may have been Christians for many years. And that pride has sink into our heart, thinking that we have know it all. Thinking that we are all right and okay. But deep inside our heart, we have grown cold and our hearts have been hard. I pray, O oh Lord, when you confront us through your word and you confront us by your spirit, Lord, may we respond in humility, in submission. May we respond like John the Baptist. He will say that less of us, but more of you in our life. Lord, this is your church. Living World Fellowship is your church. And I pray that we will take this discipleship journey seriously because you desire for us to grow and to be more like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh Lord Jesus. Yes. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, Lord.
journey together in discipleship. May our eyes and hearts, may our whole being desires to know you more and more. Salamat, Panginoon. Salamat. Oh, we worship. Let's just raise our hands and receive the benediction. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may be one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word today as you challenge us as you reach us to each one of us, as you unite us and even confront us of the reality of our spirituality, I pray, oh God, that you will help us in the power of your Holy Spirit to continue on, to grow deeper in our walk with you as we know you more and more in our lives. Salamat, Panginoon. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen, Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you for those who are joining us in Facebook and, in, and on in YouTube. Salamat po for joining us. Hopefully you can see us, uh, see you and join us next Sunday. God bless you.